Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 2, 11 through 13, called Weep with Those Who Weep. When I brought to you this series in the book of Job, the, the problem of evil and the power of the gospel, it's because we face these kinds of things every day, weekend and, week in and week out, and we all face our own trials as well, our own inexplicable things that come our way, the losses that we suffer, the questions that we have, the hate that we see, the fear that it sometimes puts within us. And we often wonder, I'm sure you do, how, how do we respond to such things? Tomorrow's the National Day of Prayer, and that should be one of our prayer points, is that we could so shine as the church of Jesus Christ that hate would just be squashed out by our love. But we do know that the Prince of Peace and the God of Love came to the planet, and they even hated him without a cause. So... This is going to be our human dilemma until Jesus Christ comes again. But there's been so many tragedies in the world, and we ask, well, what should we do? And, and I bring this up because three friends are going to come to Job, and they're going to try to figure out what to do to help him. And I, I pray that there will be a couple things that happen for us tonight. Number one, if you're trying to be a friend of someone who's going through a tough time, that you would learn some biblical things as to what to do and maybe even what not to do. And to know that we all need grace because we're all, there's no perfect science to try to comfort somebody. And if you're going through your own Job-like trial, if you're going through a difficult time right now, that you would find some comfort tonight and some hope in Jesus Christ. So would you pray with me? Father, as we, we tackle this subject of weeping with those who weep, we want to be people who have your heart. We want to realize that you entered into our pain and it's not easy to enter into people's pain but it's something that is uh, really something that reflects the christian church really for 2,000 years trying to find ways to enter into people's pain and ease their suffering as best we can by the grace of god and lord there's many times when we've fallen short personally corporately forgive us for that help us to be people who are willing to step into people's pain to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. Help us tonight, Lord, wherever we are on that spectrum, to learn what you would have for us tonight. Speak by your Holy Spirit. Uh, just allow me to be simply just your vessel, but we want to hear from you tonight. So may it not be the voice of a man, but may it be your voice coming through your word for your glory and for the benefit of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is Romans 12, and this is verses 15 and 16. Paul's given us a lot of things, and he's been teaching about the body and about gifts, and he says, uh, 15, rejoice, Romans 12, 15, with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Verse 15 is where I want you to focus. Rejoice with those who rejoice 
and weep with those who weep. Much more could be said, but let's flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to show you something else that relates to the body of Christ and how we are to treat one another. 1 Corinthians 12, let's pick it up at verse 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. It says, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Let's turn back to the book of Job. Job has gone through a terrible tragedy, as you know. He's really had everything in his life stripped away from him. He's lost his children. He's lost his estate. He's lost many of his servants. He's lost his animals. And at his lowest point, when he is really uh, just hurting and uh, Satan has now taken the taking it directly to Job, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give in exchange for his life. Let me, let me go after him. God allows it. Job in Job 2.8 is sitting there scraping the boils with a piece of broken pottery, sitting on the ash heap, sitting among the ashes outside the city gates. Uh, really a picture that Jesus painted of hell where there's a continual fire burning, where the trash of the city burns continually, where the worm never dies. There is Job, this, this prosperous, blessed man. Now, at the lowest point, he has literally hit rock bottom, or maybe you could say ash bottom. And there he is, sitting among the ashes, and his wife says to him, and this is the one remaining family member. You're hoping that you know, your wife can give you a word of encouragement. And she says, do you still hold fast your integrity? Job 2.9. And then she says famously, curse God and die. Now she, in the midst of her grief, maybe on a positive note, maybe she was thinking, well, that's the only way that you're going to be relieved of your suffering. Maybe she thought he was going to die anyway. Maybe she thought he had a terminal illness. So maybe that was the best thing that could happen to him. But for her to say curse God is absolutely wrong. And she became a vessel for the enemy. Because the enemy said that Job will surely curse you to your face if you let me at him. And then his wife came to him and said the very thing that Satan said he would do. She became that tool of the enemy. And we know that ha that happened to Peter in the New Testament when Jesus began to show the apostles that he must go to Jerusalem and he must die and suffer many things. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, no, this will never happen to you, Lord. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. We know Ananias and Sapphira, when they came to Peter later in the book of Acts, Peter asked the question, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to men, but to God. And so many times in our lives, we can become a tool for the enemy if we're not careful. We can become a tool where we're telling somebody something that's really the opposite of what God would have. But we have to realize also that this family had come to such a low point that it was very difficult to think of anything positive. And maybe you've come to points like that in your life where you've said stuff you've regretted in a, in a moment of difficulty, in a moment 
where the ashes were all around you, in a moment where you had lost so much, in a moment where you were struggling and angry and in the flesh, and you know, you can make your list, right? And something came out of your mouth, and it was anything but from God. And that is a terrible place to be as a believer. But it's a place that we probably have all visited. (laughs) And may I suggest maybe more than once. And we're all trying to get better, right? We're all trying to be careful with our mouth because our tongue being this little instrument, it can boast great things and it's set on fire by hell as James begins to paint the picture of the power of the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we do what? We curse men who are made in his image. With, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And then James says, my brethren, this is not the way things should be. And there's that ought in us, right? This is the way things ought to be. This is the way I ought to act. This is the things I ought to say. <laughs> but I don't always hit the ought. Anybody else out there, right? We, we have these good intentions. We want to walk by the Spirit. But there are times when we let ourselves down and we let others down. Now, we will not hear from Job's wife again for the rest of the book of Job. However... Job does have his fortunes restored to him. Paul and I were talking about this in Job 42 in the very last chapter, and he has uh, children again, and we were asking the question whether or not it was the same wife. And uh, I don't know that we know. But it would, it's a, I think it's a great uh, thought of redemption to think that she also is part of that picture and the whole family or the marriage is redeemed. And marriages can be redeemed even if they sink to lows like that where hard things are said in moments of despair, in moments of difficulty. In loss, marriages can go through times when it's hard to stay together. Um, Christian marriages, of course, have that, that tie that binds, which is the power of the Holy Spirit and God at the center of our relationship. But even with that, In times of difficulty and loss, it can be hard to hang on because you want to blame the other person or that other person is the easiest target in stress and pain and difficulty. And that's where we need the grace of God so desperately. That's where we need friends. And here's what happens. This is verse 11, Job 2. Weep with those who weep. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity, all that he had been through, that had come upon him. They came, each one, from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him, with Job, or console and comfort him. So the three friends. Now these are... Uh, the, the word friend can have a, some various meanings. They could be men that were in some sort of covenant. They could have been leaders of different tribes. But they were in some sort of friendship relationship with Job. And it's clear that they have to travel from some distance. They have to first hear of what was going on with Job, then make an appointment together to visit Job, sacrifice whatever they had responsibility for, and then travel to Job. So time has certainly gone by. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It can boast great things, and it's set on fire by hell as James begins to paint the picture of the power of the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we do what? We curse men who are made in his image. With, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And then James says, my brethren, this is not the way things should be. And there's that ought in us, right? This is the way things ought to be. This is the way I ought to act. This is the things I ought to say. <laughs> but I don't always hit the ought. Anybody else out there, right? We, we have these good intentions. We want to walk by the Spirit. But there are times when we let ourselves down and we let others down. Now, we will not hear from Job's wife again for the rest of the book of Job. However, Job does have his fortunes restored to him. Paul and I were talking about this in Job 42 in the very last chapter. And he has uh, t- children again. And we were asking the question whether or not it was the same wife. And uh, I don't know that we know. But it would, it's a, I think it's a great uh, thought of redemption to think that she also is part of that picture and the whole family or the marriage is redeemed. And marriages can be redeemed even if they sink to lows like that where hard things are said in moments of despair, in moments of difficulty. In loss, marriages can go through times when it's hard to stay together. Um, Christian marriages, of course, have that, that tie that binds, which is the power of the Holy Spirit and God at the center of our relationship. But even with that, in times of difficulty and loss, it can be hard to hang on because you want to blame the other person or that other person is the easiest target in stress and pain and difficulty. And that's where we need the grace of God so desperately. That's where we need friends. And here's what happens. This is verse 11, Job 2. Weep with those who weep. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity, all that he had been through, 
that had come upon him. They came, each one, from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him, with Job, or console and comfort him. So the three friends. Now these are, uh, the, the word friend can have a, some various meanings. They could be men that were in some sort of covenant. They could have been leaders of different tribes. But they were in some sort of friendship relationship with Job. And it's clear that they have to travel from some distance. They have to first hear of what was going on with Job, then make an appointment together to visit Job, sacrifice whatever they had responsibility for, and then travel to Job. So time has certainly gone by. And remember, we're talking about ancient times where certainly there wouldn't be news reports about Job's catastrophe or people on social media or emails or whatever, but word would travel through the caravans and people would be telling stories of this greatest man of the East, no one greater than this man, this blameless religious man blessed with much property, a big estate, many children. He, he's a religious guy and a catastrophic uh, occurrence has happened to him. And I would imagine that in many of the cities surrounding that area that people were beginning to conjecture about why this happened to Job. If it was in the modern times, it would be all, all the news reports, all the talk shows, and people would be speculating about what happened to Job. Why do you think this came upon him? What do you think he did? What did he do wrong? Even in the New Testament times when uh, Jesus uh, was talking to the man that was born blind, the apostle said, who sinned, him or his parents, that he was what? Born this way. Somebody must have sinned. The Jews even had an idea that if you came out with some sort of birth defect, that maybe you sinned in the womb. And that's why you were born blind, for example, and Jesus said, no, neither him nor his parents sinned. This has happened that the glory of God might be manifest in him. But look, when people go through a difficult time, and imagine, you know, you start counting all the losses, all the calamities, the, the things that happened by, you know, these bandits, and then what we call natural disasters, all these things come upon Job, and people would begin to speculate. And do you think their speculation would be positive or negative? You think they'd be saying, well, it's just a happenstance. Job's a good guy. I, I, I'm sure that this is just terrible luck. Or would people be saying, oh, Job must have done something wrong. Because none of this stuff would have come on him had he not sinned against God. And by the time the friends opened their mouths, they were doing well until they opened their mouths. And by the way, they don't talk for seven days. But once they start talking, that's when they get in trouble. Now, we'll dig that out a little bit more. But here's the image. It's a sad and powerful image. Before us is Job, this great man, sitting on the ash heap, out in the city dump, perhaps amidst the fire and the smoke, the burning trash, oozing boils, scraping them. I don't know how long he sat there. I don't know if when the men come to him, he's still there or if he's now in a house because, as we mentioned, much time has to have gone by for them to hear, get organized, and come. But I'll just say this to you. 
The first thing, if we're going to reach out to people in their adversity, verse 11, friends in adversity, we have to hear about it. I think that's a basic point, but I don't want to assume that for a moment because sometimes people assume that others know more about their adversity than we actually know. Sometimes we find out people are in trouble through the prayer chain. Sometimes a church member will come to us and say, hey, you know, this person's sick or this person's in the hospital. But can I just tell you, for all practical purposes, for us as a church fellowship, please tell somebody if you're in trouble. Because if you don't tell us, there's no way we can know to dispatch help to you. And we have a meals ministry. We have people willing to visit folks in the hospital that do that. But we have to hear about the information. And, and we would like to know, if you have a need, please come to us. If you need to talk to somebody, our doors are open to you as pastors. Please come and see us. We have other people who counsel in this fellowship. But we have to know that you have a need. We have to know that you're in a moment of crisis, that you have some adversity going on where you need some help. And just to encourage you, everybody needs help at some point in their life. So don't let pride or embarrassment keep you away from getting the help that you need. And remember that churches are filled with human beings, and so sometimes churches don't always handle things the best way. We try our best. So just make sure if you need help that you get the word out. Number two, if you're a, a person who has a person in a Bible study that you know well, a friend of yours that you know well, you might want to get organized with some other people that know and love that person and set up something to minister to that person. It doesn't have to all fall on you. And some of us, we do that. We hear about something and we feel like we got to fix everything. And we got to be there 24-7. We can't do that, so we got to get organized. We got to be the body of Christ. We got to let people do the ministry to which they feel called and allow other people to get involved. So they got organized. They communicated. They made an appointment. I'll say this as well, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this. If, if I were in the hospital, I would love for people to visit me, but I would love to know that they're coming. Can I get a witness? All right. So, you know, there are times when you're hurting and you're going through something and you would love people to pray for you and you would love people to bring you lasagna or spaghetti and a meatballs or whatever it is, right? It's all Italian for me. However, if they made an appointment, then you don't have to come up to the door with your hair sticking in 17 different directions and, you know, you're limping to the door. <laughs> you, you'll scare people that way. So it would be good to just say to someone, hey, I'd like to bring a meal by to your house. Is five o'clock okay? And then find out. So I think there's just some practical things that we can understand, that we can get together with others. We can come up with a game plan. We can be praying for that person. And then we can minister practical ways or practical help to them. You've been listening to Weep with Those Who Weep, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter two, verses 11 through 13. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. 
It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church in Corona, California, although we recommend you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, as Job's friends first arrive, we have to give them props that they they do well. They don't interject anything, at least at the beginning. They sit with their friend. They weep with him. You know, there's, the silence is not broken for a while. And there is a lesson here that we don't always have to come up with a clever answer or a perfect scripture. Let's make sure it's spirit-led, whether it's silence or a prayer or whatever, because sometimes we try to offer something and the timing is just not right. So there's an there's a insight here that we sit with someone in their pain, we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, and in so doing, I think we fulfill the imagery of the body of Christ. When one part of the body is hurting, we all hurt. And I know the body of Christ has been hurting these days, and it's been tough to be away from church family for this long of a time. For many of you, because of health reasons, you've been staying away. Maybe your church has been closed. And I just want to encourage you to hang in there, keep worshiping, and uh, keep asking the Lord for wisdom when you enter into others' pain. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God for that. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 2, 11 through 13, called Weep with Those Who Weep. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.